Hey, what's going on? It's Matt Polis, and it's time for another episode of Meat Sauce for Tuesday, January the 19th, 2021. This is episode number 14. Welcome back. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show or sharing the show with a friend. You know, still still in a position where I'm trying to uh, further my reach with this show and and hope to bring bring more people into into listening uh, each and every week. So I would really really appreciate it. I appreciate all the feedback I've received thus far. You know, please keep that coming. I, I love to I love criticism. I like constructive criticism. I hope you've had a had a good last week or so. I swear over the last week I have been hooked on YouTube whiskey channels. I think the people who are actually into those communities refer to them as whiskey tube. Um but it's just you know regular people having their own YouTube channels and they review Review specific brands of bourbon or whis- or scotch whiskey uh, or different bottles. They do live streams where they do like blind tastings. They kind of talk about you know what they smell, what they smell in the glass, what they taste in the glass. Give you like the different notes and stuff. And I will tell you this: I am nowhere near ready to be confident in doing that. I smell it. I'm like, yep, it smells smells strong. I am learning though that there's a lot of caramel and brown sugar in a lot of these bourbons and I mean you can kind of tell like the 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 bourbons I've been drinking like definitely the liquid is thicker than like just you know I don't know clear water obviously so I kind I do notice you know that and all that but some of these guys are pulling out so many random fruit notes and like I'm not saying they're wrong I'm just saying I don't know how how to separate each note throughout like tasting a bourbon. Um, but I, I've learned a lot just in the sense of what bottles to really look for. You know, when you go to a store, there's so many and you see, you see your Jim Beams, you see your Evan Williams, you see, you know, the kind of those stock brands that are sometimes cheaper in price, but they do have their more expensive selections as well. But these videos on YouTube have really helped me kind of dig through that and find other brands that some of those and some of these brands are actually made by, you know, your Jim Beams and your Wild Turkeys, etc. But they're they just have like a different name to them. So unless you were told that they, you know, this was made by Wild Turkey, you wouldn't really know because it doesn't say on the bottle. So that's been fun to kind of learn about some different bottles and it definitely makes me feel so much more comfortable going to the liquor store and like seeing the bottles that I've seen on these YouTube videos. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Okay. Now I'm seeing them all. Uh, so that was, that's been kind of fun. I mean, it's also extremely dangerous for the wallet. Uh, so that's kind of been my last week. I've been just hooked on those videos It's bad. I made dinner on Friday night and I'm like sitting at the dinner table and the TV's not too far and I like hit play on a live stream. So I'm just like eating dinner and watching these two guys talk about bourbon. And it's just like for hours, it's dangerous. Anyways, moving on to some sports, a quick Reds update. The Reds are said to not be trading Luis Castillo to the Yankees. There were some reports coming out pretty quickly over the last few days that the Reds were looking to move him and and they really they actually were moving looking to move him 
but they they had asked the Yankees for their shortstop uh, Gliber Torres, if I'm saying that name right, who is apparently like kind of their staple young guy, young and up and coming star at shortstop, who's been with them for the last couple of years on the on the major league roster. But the Yankees said no, so it seems as if the Reds are going to pull back and and keep Castillo, especially when you think about the NL Central. I mean, the Cubs have lost. All, all, like all of their pitching, like holy cow, I don't even know who's left there to pitch. So I mean, the Reds have a real chance if they don't mess up the roster too much. They have a chance to uh, to contend for the for the NL Central title, you know, this season without really doing much in the way of moves. So we'll keep updated there. Obviously, February we should be heading into spring training here soon, which is insane. And uh, pitchers and catchers report sometime in February, and then spring training. And I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know that nothing has been said about what the season's going to look like yet. Don't even know if we're going to start on time. Not really sure what to expect with that. If it's going to be a full 162 games, I'm not sure. But, um, I did see that MLB wants to, they're going to keep from what I understand. I think this is confirmed, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, but they're going to keep the seven inning double headers which I'm okay with. I actually like that a lot. It makes the games not seem not seem like you're having like a marathon. So seven inning double headers, and then they are gonna, from what I understand, they are gonna keep the runner on second base to start in extra innings. I don't like that. I think that's like little league style of play. I think that's silly. So I hope they somehow don't do that. But then they're they're going back and forth on whether they should have the universal DH. To me, that seems like a no-brainer. Universal DH seems like it, it just needs to stay. The National League was so much more fun to watch. It wasn't an automatic out. I, I think universal DH has to happen because teams, even teams now like the Reds, like they, they're built around having that extra hitter in the lineup. You know, it gets one extra guy off of their bench. And so I, I'd be curious to see how NL teams handle that this upcoming season if they had the DH last year but now all of a sudden they don't I think they should just keep the universal DH I think that is the way to go Uh, so that's a quick Reds update I'm sure there'll be more as we get closer to the season it's been a really quiet offseason teams are apparently just terrified to spend money Um, and then let's see a quick Ohio State update football Uh, Justin Fields announced uh, or declared for the NFL draft, which is no surprise. Uh, Sean Wade also, uh, Sean Wade cornerback also declared for the draft. And then I think I saw Josh Myers. Is that, that name sounds right. Offensive lineman. I think he's from Dayton. He also declared for the NFL draft. Um, but the one kind of surprise that at least personally for me, Chris Olave wide receiver announced that he's returning for his senior year, which is amazing because I think to me, to me, he's one of the best wide receivers in college football and you pair him back up with Garrett Wilson, who's another fantastic up and coming wide receiver. I mean, you have those two guys on the outside for a whole nother year together. I think that's going to be pretty insane. So that was really a nice surprise to see Olave is going to come back for his senior year. So I think he kind of put college football on notice with that, uh, with that announcement. (laughs) Uh, moving into the NFL playoffs. Playoffs. I went two and two this past weekend 
in the standings, which puts me at seven and three for the playoffs thus far. Which I'm not in any sort of bet or any sort of pool or anything. So I just just uh, for fun for me. So I'm seven and three so far through the first ten games. Uh, so I want to go through through these games from this past weekend. I'll start with the Saturday games. And by the way, I hear Colin Coward say this all the time, and I don't always agree with him, but he talks a lot of the NFL and how it's just constantly made up of of storylines, great storylines. And I have to agree with him. That, is, that definitely was absolutely the case, you know, this, uh, this past weekend, you know, and now heading into next weekend, there are great storylines again. So this past weekend in the AFC... I don't, and, and if you know this already, my apologies, but this past weekend in the AFC, of the four teams that were left, that was the Bills, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Chiefs, Baker Mayfield is the oldest quarterback. Isn't that insane? The guy's only 25, you know, and I know Pat, Patrick Mahomes is 25 as well, but I think Baker is just a few months older than him. But that just seems insane to me that out of the four quarterbacks left in the AFC, Baker Mayfield is the oldest one. Then you have the NFC that has guys like Tom Brady at 43, Drew Brees at 42, Aaron Rodgers at 37. So you've got one league that has already kind of had their changing of the guard, and they're a bunch of young young guys, young bucks. And then you've got the old geezers in the NFC still still doing their thing. Thought that was a pretty interesting little tidbit about last weekend. All right, uh, let's see. Rams versus the Packers. I had the I had picked the Packers in this one. The Packers offense, and I I didn't really get to watch the Packers a whole lot this season, so this was really my first time at getting to see them live, you know, and, and see how good they are at at regular like game speed, not just in highlights. Their offense is really good. I didn't realize they send three different running backs really at any any given time at you. They just it was interesting to see how they rotate them like that. Devontae Adams is ridiculous. Big, fast. He's such a weapon. And then I love they did this quite a bit. I love when Rogers snaps the ball. It's a quick snap and throws to Adams on the outside. Like a screen, I mean, it's a screen pass, I guess, but just the way it's snapped and in Adam's hands before you can even really blink and know what happened. So they did that a lot. I really liked watching that play because then it gets the ball in the hands of your superstar and you just let him let him do the work. And their defense, the Packers' defense was a lot better than I thought they were as well. So they, they are going to be, I, I don't know, I think... I'll get to my predictions in a little bit, but they, they look like the real deal this season for sure. I mean, the Rams clearly were the inferior team. You know, even though they had the number one defense going into the game, it just didn't seem to matter with, you know, Rodgers on the other side of the ball. Just And Rodgers was having so much fun. Like, if you were watching closely, they would zoom in on him, and he's, like, smiling at the line of scrimmage. And, like, he clearly was just having a good time. Uh, and then the Saturday night game was the Ravens versus the Bills. Congrats to the Bills and the Bills Mafia. I'm so happy to see... One, I'm happy to see the Ravens go home. Two, I'm happy to see the Bills move forward. Because again, the Bills have gone through similar things to what the Browns have gone through. So it feels like our our 
fan groups have are just on the same page like we just want each other to succeed because we've all been through a bunch of bunch of craziness over the last few decades so I'm really happy for them I did see too so Lamar Jackson went down in the game and he ended up getting a concussion or going into concussion protocol so he was out for the game out for the rest of the game I think it was what was that fourth quarter and uh, the Bills Mafia they Bills Mafia for those that don't know is just their fan base that's what they call themselves they're pretty crazy (laughs) look up videos of Bill's Mafia. You'll be shocked. But they they started donating money to Lamar Jackson's favorite charity in Louisville after the game. They started donating. I think it at one point like within hours it was up to like $150,000, which is pretty cool. So, shout out Bill's Mafia for doing that. That's pretty amazing. Um and then Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, they're just so great together. Like holy cow. They they kind of remind me of kind of on a different in a different way they remind me of Baker and Jarvis Baker Mayfield Jarvis Landry I think those two on the Browns are a little more like aggressive in with their uh like their mindset's a little more like aggressive but it was cool to see Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have kind of that buddy buddy friendship where they're you know kind of making fun of each other on the post-game interview or laughing at one another or whatever Um, but it was really cool and also, I can't believe Justin Tucker of the Ravens missed two field goals. The guy never misses. And the first one, there was no wind. So he clearly just shanked that one. It hit off, the, I think, the left upright. And then later in the game, there's a little bit more wind. But he missed it again. I think he hit it off the right upright. So I don't know what was going on with him. But that's six points right there. And the game was not, it was not a high-scoring game. It was, it was within reach. So even just, you know, six points... Would have, could have turned anything around at some point. Uh, by the end of the game, though, the wind was insane. Like, if you watched all the way to the end, any e- either quarterback throwing would try to throw, it, like, with the wind in their to their backs, and it would just sail the ball way over the head of the wide receiver. But they showed the flags repeatedly on the broadcast. They showed it at the top of the stadium, and those flags were just going insane. So... Again, congrats to the Bills. Happy for them. Looking forward to see what they do this upcoming weekend. Uh, and then we had, I'm going to jump to the Sunday night game, Bucks versus the Saints, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. And this was probably Drew Brees' last game. Um, I actually didn't watch this one, you know, and I saw, I saw Brees throw, he threw three interceptions and Overall, from what I've seen on Twitter, he just didn't look 100%. You know, whether that's due to the rib injury that he sustained earlier this season where he had like, I don't know, 10 or 11 fractured ribs, which is just insane. Or Father Time has caught up with him a little bit, and maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm not sure, but I saw on Twitter that he just didn't have, wasn't able to throw a deep ball. Never really had any zip on the ball, which I guess he hasn't had a ton of zip the last couple of years, but he's been able to at least, you know, still throw it, throw it deep or be more accurate or whatever. But I guess the zip was even less than it had been and the Bucks defense was just feasting. They were also, this didn't help the Saints either. They were also without Taysom Hill, who's a huge part of their, one, the red zone offense, but also just a potential long play 
drive extending guy they just didn't have. And then they're also without their backup running back. I can't think of his name. Um, but he backs up Alvin Kamara, but he's also, he's a huge part of that offense too. And, uh, he was out. So missing those two guys, I think hurt the saints a lot when you, and then you don't have, you don't have a hundred percent healthy breeze. You don't have a, a, a breeze that can, you know, throw darts around the field. I'm not thrilled to see Tom Brady in the championship game again, you know, but I guess at least this time it's with a different team. And I, I think, I think the Buccaneers versus the Packers this upcoming week is going to be, honestly, I thought the Saints and Packers was going to be really good, but after seeing the Bucs beat the Saints, I'm now I'm really curious to see uh, the Bucs versus the Packers and see what happens with that. Um, and then I'm going to move into the Sunday afternoon game, which was my Cleveland Browns versus those Kansas City Chiefs. It was a great game. It was fun. I was I was looking forward to watching it the whole day. I'm really proud of the Browns. You know, they had their chances to win. I think people going into the game thought it was going to be a shootout, but ultimately the Browns just had no chance. And the way the game started out, I mean, you were already like the Browns were playing from behind from the get go. And I mean, we were lucky that the defense was able to hold them to have to go for field goals. And then we were also lucky that their field goal kicker was missing field goals, which was helpful, you know. We, we kept them out of the end zone more than I thought we would, for sure. And that's even before Patrick Mahomes went down. I mean, they were driving on us, but they, I mean, they really didn't get in the end zone, but what, twice? Three times? I don't know. But I feel like for the Chiefs, that's not very much. So, I, I was proud of the way that they played. You know, obviously the fumble with Richard Higgins uh, reaching the ball out into the end zone and having... Losing control and having it going out of the end zone, which is a touchback, you know, that was a huge blow. I don't know. I mean, I, obviously it's been blowing up in the sports world about what that rule is and what ha- like what the result is. I guess I understand the touchback. I just, I don't know. I think it's weird that the, the defense does, doesn't recover the ball, but all, automatically gets it and then gets it at their own. 20 or 25 or whatever I just think that part of it is a little bit weird so I I don't know what the alternative is and I think that's what I've from what I've gathered on social media you know the NFL kind of says the same thing what's the alternative then you know if you don't have it if you don't have the rule that way you know what's the alternative I saw Kevin Stefanski in in his either post-game interview or the interview maybe the day after he said that they that the Browns have a rule not to reach for the goal line because of the touchback rule. But, quote, he said, but Rashard Higgins is a warrior. I'm never going to doubt that kid's effort. He gives you everything he's got. I think that that right there says everything you need to know about Kevin Stefanski and how amazing he is and how much he believes in his guys. He could have easily thrown Rashard Higgins under the bus, but he did it in such a way that was like, well, we do have a rule for that but I trust the player in that moment to do what he felt was best, you know? So it's hard to say. I mean, also there was that potential, you know, missed helmet to helmet call. I mean, Sorensen on that play, literally no arms going to tackle at all. It it was all completely led with the helmet. So, and it clearly hit, you know, Richard in the helmet. So 
And that's the only reason the ball was jarred loose was because of the helmet to helmet. So I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things that makes you wonder, like, what if, you know, if that play had gone differently or if Richard had not reached out, if it just had gone out at the one yard line. I mean, they would have probably scored on the next play or two. So who knows what that game, you know, would have been after that. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. It, it is what it is because, you know, obviously the game's over. But the Browns kept battling. Like, that wasn't that wasn't the one that really, I mean, it had an impact on the game. But the Browns still could have won even after that, you know. So I really thought after the Carl Joseph interception in the end zone off of Chad Henney, I really thought that that was going to be the game-winning drive. Baker was going to take him down and score a game-winning touchdown with, like, no time left, barely. But it just, the drive, that drive just never started well. It just constantly, we just looked flustered and could never really get anything going. I know Nick Chubb had several drop screen passes, which he's not really a screen-type running back, but you got to catch those. I mean, they hit him in the hands, and he just could not hold on to them. But, yeah, the Browns on that drive just could not move. Could not move the ball at all, which is frustrating obviously it's like man we just had we were just given this golden opportunity with the interception and we can drive down here and we're only down five so (laughs) you don't even need Cody Parkey to kick a extra point you just need to get six points and the drive just could never really get going so it's it's definitely unfortunate but Kansas City's defense was a lot better than I expected and the running game was also more effective than I thought it would be especially with Clyde Edwards a layer out I wasn't expecting Williams was his last name. I'm not sure his first name, but I wasn't expecting Williams to be so effective. I also wasn't super proud of our run defense. I know, again, our run def- like our defense in general is just not great, but at least I think we've been able to stop the run a little bit better than we went, than we did on, on Sunday. I wasn't expecting us to be able to stop the passing game a whole lot, but I, ex- I didn't expect the running game to have the success that it did. Because really, if you take that away... That's a different game. I mean, they extended several drives with just running, you know, getting eight yards on a run. I mean, it's hard to stop a team when when they're just running at will. So I don't know. The future future in Cleveland is bright. It really is. You know, and for the first time in what seems like forever, they have their GM, they have their head coach, they have their quarterback, seems to be all figured out, you know, and they're building off of a playoff team instead of rebuilding you know, and starting over like we seem to do every two years or every year at some in some cases. But I'll have more on the NFL draft, free agency, trades, etc. As we get closer to all that, obviously the season's not over yet. But obviously to me right away, you have to sure up the defense either in free agency, trade, or the draft. I think they might end up having a little bit of all three, maybe not a trade, but free agency and the draft. And it's hard to remember, too, but you do have, you know, you had Greedy Williams, who's a second-round draft pick from two years ago. He was out all this year with a nerve issue in his neck. Hopefully he'll be back and okay. Then you also have, from this past draft, safety Grant Delpit, who we were Browns fans, Browns organization. They were all so high on him and so ready. And then he got injured and was out for the whole season. He didn't even play. So he was a second-round draft pick this past draft. So it'll be huge to have those two guys back. I mean, our secondary just was depleted all season. It was crazy. 
there's so many guys that played that I don't even know who they were in some cases. So it'll be great to have Greedy Williams back and Grant, and to see what Grant Delpit can do in that safety position. So, but definitely have to shore up the defense. I mean, I don't, and I don't think again outside of Browns fans, I don't think a lot of people realize like the Browns offense. I don't know that anybody on that offense is not coming back next year as far as contract or trade or whatever. I mean, they OBJ is still up in the air. Like, I don't know what will happen with Odell Beckham. But really, I mean, what you saw out there in the, on the offensive side of the ball, all of those guys are pretty much going to be back, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. You know, so if they can continue to build off that chemistry, you don't have Baker learning a whole new offense again. He can actually have some stability. So the Browns are going to be back. And I think they put the NFL on notice about who they are and that they, this isn't just a one and done type of deal. You know, I think, I feel like you see teams all the time, they get into the playoffs, they might win a game kind of like the Browns, and then they can't quite get past that next round. Then the next year is where you see them push past that, that threshold that they were stopped at the year before. So I think that could be, that could definitely be the Browns. So Really, really excited. Still a f- super fun time in Cleveland. I don't think anyone's super, super annoyed by the loss. I mean, it's disappointing for sure, but I don't know. There's too much to be excited about to, to really let one game define the whole season and let one game define the future. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future of Cleveland football. All right, let me move on to my AFC and NFC championship game predictions. And this brings me back to Colin Coward again and what he said about NFL storylines. You know, now you have Brady versus Rodgers in the NFC and Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. So you got the old guys in one league and the young guys in the other. And obviously one from each is going to meet in the Super Bowl. So it feels like almost like a changing of the guard in a sense, you know, especially if the young guys come out on top here. So start with the Bucks at the Packers. I'm taking the Packers. I think at Lambeau Field, they've got fans in the stands now. Not a lot, but enough compared to the regular season where they had none. So I'm taking the Packers. I think the offense is too good. Defense is playing well. You know, they're playing good enough. So it'll be fun to see that Bucks offense versus the Packers defense and really vice versa. But I I think the Packers are just too much to overcome there. So I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Then you got the Bills at the Chiefs. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills and the Bills Mafia. I think they have what it takes to legitimately compete with and beat the Chiefs. Their defense is better than Cleveland's, so I think that already gives them a better chance. You know, they may not be able to stop Patrick Mahomes in that offense, but they they can probably contain them better than the Browns did, even though the Browns did a decent job. I'm also interested to see Mahomes and his toe, I know his toe, before the concussion protocol, his toe was bothering him. So I don't know if that if that's going to be a factor or not, if he'll have full mobility. Because he couldn't really move as much as he normally does. And then even his throws didn't seem like they had his same kind of juice. I don't know if he used, I think that was his plant. Yeah, that's his planting foot. No, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm no scientist. But that toe was definitely bothering him visibly on the field on Sunday. So that'll be a question 
question mark. But I think the Bills do it. I think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and the rest of them are they're just on a roll right now. And I mean, this is probably you know, when the playoffs started, obviously I wanted Cleveland to go as far as they could. Ultimately, I think Bills at Chiefs is a really fun matchup because the Bills have been so good all year and there's always there's I know I know they played earlier in the season, but the Bills weren't really where they are now. They weren't there at that point in the season. So it'll be it'll be a fun matchup, I think. Uh hopefully Patrick Mahomes is okay and can go. It sound it sounds like everything's gonna be fine with him as far as being able to play this weekend. So but yeah, I'm going I'm going with the Bills. I wanna see I wanna see a new a new team. I know the you know, the Chiefs were just in there for one year last year, but I uh until it's the Browns, I just want new teams all the time. I, I like that that uh refreshingness of refreshingness. I don't think that's a word, but I just don't like to see teams win multiple, multiple times. We've already had the Patriots in my lifetime. I don't need another of those unless it's the Cleveland Browns. So <laughs> all right. So those are my predictions. I think the Super Bowl is gonna be the Packers versus the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see if I am right. That's gonna do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.